oh my god, what are you doing about Regin? Obamacare hasn't given you that much power yet. (laughs) (laughs) These IOCs predate the JFK assassination. And they've finally been declassified. These these IOCs were initially discovered by Teddy Roosevelt. Alright, wanna try this again? Yeah, let's let's try again. Today is December 3rd, 2014, and this is episode 95 of the Defensive Security Podcast. My name is Jerry Bell, and joining me tonight, as always, is Mr. Andrew Kellett. Good evening, Jerry, and if any of you are curious about the glamour that is podcasting production, this is our 73rd take of this show. That's true. I mean, makeup totally screwed up the first time. Yeah. Pyrotechnics. Yep. They blew a couple of them, no pun intended. And then there were some green jelly or green uh, M&Ms that didn't work out. <laughs> anyway, how are you tonight, Jerry? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I, I got a new toy. I got an iPhone 6. So that, that's my new, my new nerd toy for the day. So that made me happy. Well, you know, welcome to the 2014s. I, I, I believe in consumerism leads to happiness, apparently. Awesome. <sighs> We, we, we're happy that you're a, a good materialist. <laughs> Otherwise, no, it's good. Um, you know, it's December, so work is crazy busy, but uh, it's all good. All right. So uh, let's jump into our stories. The, f- the first one we've got, and actually there's two stories that are, are related. Um, both deal with hijacked domain registrars. And the first one is about Craigslist. comes from WeLiveSecurity.com, which is ESET's blog. Uh, this title is Craigslist redirected to prank site via DNS hijack. And in this in this particular story, someone hijacked uh, Craigslist, and I think this is probably pretty well known. And the, uh, the the person that did this actually redirected the domain to uh, I think it was kind of a a bit of a shady forum. And you know, Craigslist may I imagine get a little more traffic than that form is used to handling. And so it, it crashed. Uh, but, you know, kind of switching gears to the other one, uh, the Syrian Electronic Army, as reported by Naked Security, hijacked um, the Gigia, you know, Gigia comment platform, which is pervasively used by a whole bunch of high-profile sites uh, like CBC, CNBC, Forbes, OK Magazine, the Chicago Tribune, the Daily Telegraph, I mean, on and on and on. Uh, it's a very, very commonly used comment platform. And uh, apparently what happened was Gigia's domain, again, in grand SEA fashion, was compromised and, uh, and, and redirected to a site controlled by the SEA and what they conveniently did was uh, if you visit one of those web properties, you got a message in a pop-up window that said that you had been hacked by the SEA. So uh, so this is another example, or I guess two back-to-back examples about how important it is to have really, you know, to have good protection around your, uh, your domain registrar accounts. And, you know, I would imagine that the SEA attack was probably a little more sophisticated than the attack against Craigslist because we know that they're 
Uh, their tactics are a little more re- refined, I would imagine. Um, the other is, in my mind, Gigia points out uh, a flaw I think a lot of people have, or a lot of uh, potential flaw, I should say, that a lot of web properties have in that they're relying on you know third-party providers that you don't necessarily have control over. And I think they're becoming an, you know, a more and more attractive consolidation point of attack for these kinds of, you know, hacktivists or, or hackers. And uh, and so that's something that I I think those the, the the proprietors of websites really need to be aware of. I don't know exactly how you effectively mitigate against that. But you know, you really need to uh, you need to be aware of the threat and the possibility, I suppose. Well, it all depends on how they're authenticating, right? Uh, and there are services out there that will monitor, for instance, changes to DNS. Uh, you can also make sure that you have hardened authentication protocols and password recovery techniques against those passwords. It seems that most of the SEA stuff it shows them logged into the actual dashboard on GoDaddy. I don't yes. think there's a fundamental flaw in GoDaddy. I think they're somehow stealing credentials or or stealing you know the the perhaps the email that is the password reset is being set to something like that. So I think it comes back down to basic credentialing with those guys. Well, I I completely agree with that. I I, I guess my my point was that um if you let's say you are the uh if you're CNBC you know, you're not necessarily monitoring the DNS settings of, of Gigia. And I think that's that's part of the that's part of the issue. You as a you know as CNBC need to make sure that your partners like Gigia are doing some kind of uh, due diligence. And I would imagine that sure. that uh, you know the SCA probably fished they pro- you know, they have pretty well established MO on how they do this stuff, right? They Yeah. They send pretty convincing phishing emails, and I'm I'm sure they, you know, they sent something uh, that looked very convincing to the uh, to the, the the address email address on file. And uh, well, got, it's certainly a heretical suggestion, but for really critical stuff, you could ignore DNS and go with host files. I mean, that could break some other stuff, right? You you're, you're then relying on your uh, your partner to not change IP addressing. Yeah, I guess it, it kind of depends on how the content is delivered. I suspect, I, although I don't know, I suspect though that some of this stuff is just an iframe or you know. A, oh sure, yeah. So it's the endpoint doing the DNS, right? Not, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Clearly, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> but I could be wrong. I mean, it, it's, I don't know how IP works. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, networks are hard. But if if it is something that is included, you know, at, at the uh, at the head end, then I, I think you're right. It would be a good a good choice. Yeah, it's you know that's a tough one. Um, you know, the other thing I'm thinking about is there are services out there that monitor for uptime and and such for websites. I wonder if any of those could be leveraged to watch for redirects. But you know, that takes a lot of logic mm-hmm. because you're updating those sites all the time anyway. Uh, you know, I probably have to do some research on this one. I, I don't have a good plan off the top of my head other than just really good monitoring. But I, th- I think the net point is you've got to, I guess, a couple of points, right? Number one is you've got to be aware that, uh, you, you know, it's not just you, it's not just necessarily your 
infrastructure that you have to worry about. It's also your partner infrastructure. And I, you know, I think that's, that's been kind of a common theme through a lot of the, the issues in 2014 that we've seen. Um, you know, it, so, so that's a big, I think that's a big lesson. And the other is in both cases, as far as we know, uh, there wasn't anything malicious. There wasn't any malicious content delivered, right? And it's not hard to imagine that they could have, right? Sure. So, makes a nice drive-by download wiring hole kind of thing. Exactly. We've, we've seen that with uh, you know advertising networks being co-opted to, to serve malware on good sites, that sort of thing. Yeah, certainly we've seen that before. Exactly. Um, you know, the other thing is. Uh, you know, realistically, this problem is going to get worse, not better, because we used to be in an environment where we would get a good plug-in and plug it into our own content management position, our own website, uh, and manage all that locally. Well, with the move to the cloud, everybody's sort of just picking pieces of different services and shoving them into the pieces of their website. So it's likely to get worse yep. and be a bigger concern than, than to get better. Absolutely. So moving on to our next story, this one comes from the register. The title is U.S. Parking Operator. Yep, hackers got your names, credit card numbers, secret codes, and uh, don't card expiration dates too. So uh, this this firm called uh, SP Plus operates about 4,200 parking facilities across the U.S., or actually I guess it's across all of North America, but apparently 17 of their sites had uh had their credit cards or credit card information stolen from their point of sale terminals through what appears to be the you know the the ever present uh car uh, ram scraping malware and it, it what the company has said is that the ma- the maintainer the provider and maintainer of their point of sale systems i guess at least at these 17 sites uh Someone, someone inappropriately used a remote access, what they call a remote access tool. Don't know exactly, you know, who that is. Uh, they, they they inappropriately accessed a remote access tool and uh, connected to their point of sale systems and installed some malware, which, uh, for some period of time, uh, stole an unknown number of credit cards and uh, all associated data. And once again, notified by... Not them. They didn't find it. <laughs> right. The notif- you know, common common point of purchase. Uh, for, you know, fraud algorithms save the day again. <laughs> well, at least they've got a finite issue to look at, right, when they're doing fraud algorithm at the, at the credit card processor. They, they've got a somewhat solvable problem but yeah once again here we go we, we've got another big breach lots of data being exfiltrated and no detection no knowledge of it whatsoever until a third party identifies it and then they bring in a leading forensics security company you know i i was as i was reading this i was left wondering what kind of footprint the you know this this uh parking <laughs> parking facility operator actually has from an IT perspective, you know, i.e. how much of this have they actually outsourced to the, you know, to, to their, who, their unnamed point of sale provider. 
And, uh, you know, it, it, I just wonder if they thought they were covered because they've just wholesale outsourced that whole, you know, that whole shot. And then, he, you know, hey, here, here comes, uh, here comes somebody flying in saying that, you know, you SP plus have been the, you know, the, the, the source of a bunch of credit card fraud and, you know, not, they're holding the bag. So I, I wonder about that. That's a, that's a, an interesting question. But again, it goes to show that, you know, vendors are becoming a very, you know, very key weakness in, in the chain. Well, you know, not to be cynical about it, but I'm kind of left thinking yet again, nobody cares, right? I, at the end of the day, we're seeing it with Target, we're seeing it with Home Depot, we're seeing it with TJ Maxx. It doesn't seem yet to be materially negatively impacting their business enough for them to care. And the most of the consumers out there who are hit by this are, I think, becoming just fatigued with this to the point where they're growing numb and they're just assuming that this is just going to keep happening. And they're, they're annoyed by it, but I don't think it's going to drive any real change. I don't know. I, I, maybe that's a cynical viewpoint. No, I, th- I think you're probably right. There is an interesting thing happening, you know, we we're not we're not covering the story but uh Target told the co- court in one of their uh, lawsuits, they told the judge that uh they were under no obligation to protect or they have no no relationship with the banks that were suing them to protect their card data, you know, because they don't have a contractual relationship with those uh, card issuing banks, they have a they have a relationship with their merchant processor, and uh, and so that you know they have an obligation to them, but the merchant processor probably didn't incur a whole lot of loss because the fraud algorithms kicked in, and so I think in the case of Target, as I recall, it was somewhere around two or three times the amount of money was lost in reissuing cards as as was lost by fraudulent transactions. And, uh, and and so that's an interesting case. If that you know, if if there is a pre- a court precedent where retailers who screw up become liable to you know to to compensate these uh, these issuing banks for their losses, that could change the dynamics a little bit because now these retailers would actually have you know something around their neck when uh, when a, one of these breaches happens. Yeah, it's a good point. I'm also thinking, you know, it's almost a game of chicken. Dig, if you will, the picture. Target says, we're no longer accepting MasterCard, Visa, or Amex. It is almost mutually sure destruction at that point. Yeah. Visa, Amex, MasterCard are not going to shut off Target. They make way too much money off those transactions. Target's not going to stop accepting them because they will lose their customers. The customers are now grown used to it. They want that convenience. They're not going to go back to paying with cash and check. So they're kind of in you know, a death embrace here. And so they're not going to get that belligerent with each other because they need each other. It's a good point. So I don't know. It's a tough – you know, when you really look at PCI and you really look at, at that sort of stuff, they have the option of denying that organization the option of, of processing credit cards. But – you know, you look at a major retailer, there's no way they would ever do that. It would be suicide. Yeah. Yep. So I don't know. It's, it's a weird problem. But I think at the end of the day, 
I think this has gotten so much attention that if I were a POS vendor, I probably would be going at something like a really hardcore whitelisting built in to the application when I ship from the factory or start preaching I you know security as a feature sort of thing. Yeah, and, and managing your, your authentication better. You know, yeah. in this in this particular case it appears that and it's not it's it's kind of vague, right? There's I think they say that someone uh someone inappropriately or or uh, in an unauthorized manner used the uh, the vendor's remote access tool to connect to the computers that process payment cards. And uh you know, I I you know, this seems like there's lots of different ways you could solve that problem. Um that this is a a pretty well-worn you know, well, well, well trodden issue. I go back to your earlier point, which you know, how much IT resources does a small little company have to care about this stuff? Well, but again, that's this is the uh, this is the vendor, right? This is right. So right. the oh. vendor, you know, I, I think I think part of the issue is that the you know the parking operator SP Plus at some point needs to know the questions to ask their vendors, and if you're completely in the dark and ignorant about this, but is that reasonable? Well, that's the, that's the question, right? That is, that's the core problem. If they if they don't know to grill their, you know, their provider, where how does it get better? I don't know, but if I'm Bob's parking garage and I outsource my credit card processing to somebody else, man, that that's a solved problem. I got other stuff to worry about now. You know what we need to do is start like a an outsourcing concierge service. <laughs> we'll grill your outsourcer for you. That's right. <laughs> no, but I just, I don't mean to be cynical about it, but I just don't think that the vast majority of small businesses in this country have the time or the knowledge or the, the resources to care this deeply about InfoSec that they're really going to be pushing their vendors to be, you know, and this is where then, of course, we fall back to, okay, well, that's why PCI exists, right? So that we've got a common standard platform of security baselining for anybody handling credit cards. Yep. I don't blah, know. Blah, blah, I, I just, it's just rinse, repeat. I think we're just going to keep seeing these and keep seeing these until the fundamental credit card system changes. Uh, Chip and pin uh, yeah, or something. Yeah. Uh, you know, and even that has issues. So I don't know. I just... I, I don't think small small businesses have got a lot of opportunity to make it better because they're too busy with too many other things and they're they're stretched way too thin. I, I don't I I do not disagree with you and I was I guess I was only half kidding about the concept of account concierge kind of concept, but at the same time they do it at the peril of being you know SP plus. You know, being reported in uh, yeah. you know in international newspapers. I so. mean, in theory, the free market could eventually solve this, right? You know, if I'm this parking garage company, I stop using that credit card processor and use somebody else who maybe is more secure. But that's a very, very, very long term solution that takes a long time to happen. And I think at the state, things are changing so rapidly. I don't think we'd ever get a state of stasis long enough to have the free market care this much about security. There's just too many other concerns. Yep, I agree with you. So, I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling on this point, but I just don't I don't I don't know what to do that's going to make it better for these small guys. 
Yeah, I, I agree. So, uh, so moving on to our next story, this one comes from Ars Technica, and the title is Critical Networks in U.S. and 15 Other Nations Completely Owned, Possibly by Iran. And this, of course, is talking about the Operation Cleaver report that came from Silence. And, uh, you know, I'm totally not saying that this is, um, uh, well, I'm not even going to say that, because I'm nice. And I'm feeling very, I'm feeling very nice today. Can I point out one thing before we get into the story? Yes. If you go read the 86-page report, there's actually a section on how and why they came up with the logo and the name. Well, you got to do something in 86 pages, don't you? I just, I just want to point that out for the record that they describe where the logo came from and why and how they designed it. This is important. Without a logo, it's not a legitimate security story. Totally. Totally agree. It's got to have it's got to have a a catchy name and a logo these days. So, um, so tell me about Operation Cleaver. So Operation Cleaver apparently and allegedly as described by uh Silence is a systematic retaliation for apparently uh, I guess what I would call part of a tit-for-tat response to Western attacks on Iran, such as Dooku, Stuxnet, Flame, blah, 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 blah. And uh, and so this campaign, apparently, you know, ultra-sophisticated, using highly, uh, highly obscure techniques, such as exploiting MS-08067... Wait a minute. Wait, wait. Let me let me think. Yeah. Wasn't that patched back in 08? Uh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just checking. Yeah, it was. It was, right. And uh and so so uh you know, they go on to say uh, explicitly, you know, that this this follows in the footsteps of highly destructive malware like Shamoon and which by the way, we've talked uh, that was a couple of years ago, right? That destroyed a, a whole bunch of data at um, uh, Saudi Aramco and, and uh, Razgas. And, uh, you know, the, the denial service attacks, obviously, we all remember Al-Qassam, the cyber fighters, right? And then, of course, uh, there was Diginotar, right, where uh, they stole certificates so they could impersonate Gmail. And, you know, apparently all those were part of a a long, protracted campaign, uh, you know, that, that I guess culminated in this Cleaver uh, deal, um, it, which, which, again, was intended to, to compromise a whole bunch of different industries, like uh, I think it was the auto industry... Uh, telecommunications, hospital, chemical companies, governments, airports, um, more than 50 victims. And by the way, Silent says that they believe that this is only the tip of the iceberg because they found this uh, through sinkholing some some, uh, command and control servers. And uh, so, you know, I I think command and control server sinkholing, you can certainly see some interesting stuff. but I want I want the uh, the listeners to just 
remember what I was saying about uh, Diginotar, because we're gonna we're gonna talk we're gonna come back to that in the next story. So I I sense that you have some skepticism about this story, Jerry. A little, a little, um, and, and you know, I, obviously, I don't know all of the data that they that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, I think the uh, the the author of this article even called the the data uh, or, or the circumstances a, a essentially a pile of circumstantial evidence. So uh, so so anyway, I am a little skeptical, and I'm going to talk about why I think that is when we get to our next article, which is. About of course Sony, and, and by the way, Sony's uh, issue is a um, is a major problem. I mean, I'm not I, I, I'm not going to downplay that, right? It's Sony's in a bad way right now. Yeah, they are they are hurting. Uh, although I will point out, I do want to point out that there is not one Sony. There are yeah, it's a, many it's Sonys, and in fact. Uh, some of the Sonys have sued each other in the past. So this is not like, <laughs> there's not like one big monolithic Sony and the Sony that was attacked back in 2011 is, I don't think the same Sony that is here, right? So this is, uh, this this comes from Wired and it's, the title is Sony Got Hacked Hard, What We Know and What We Don't Know So Far. And I want to point out, before I lose the thought, in this article they point out uh, they point out how hard it is to attribute things, uh, these kinds of attacks, to state-sponsored activity, right? Because thinking back to what we just talked about with Operation Cleaver, it's alleged that that was perpetrated by Iran. And up to today, it has been very widely reported that Sony was going to come out and blame North Korea. Because... You know, they have this apparently totally awesome movie uh, that makes fun of Kim Jong-il. Or Kim Jong-un, I'm sorry. I forget who the supreme leader is these days. Try to keep up with the secession in North Korea, please. This is important. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying. But, uh, you know, they, they, in this Wired article, point out that, um, uh, let's let's see... In uh, in 2012, the uh, U.S. officials blamed Iran for an attack that erased thousands uh, data on thousands of computers at Saudi Aramco. No proof was offered to back the claim, but glitches in the malware used for the attack showed it was less likely a sophisticated nation-state attack than a hacktivist assault against oil conglomerate policies. And then I also want to go back to the uh, Diginotar attack, because the Diginotar attack fascinated me personally. And I studied that one upside, you know, up one side and down the other side. And, um, and what apparently the, uh, the, the motivation for that attack uh, on Diginotar was indeed to, to uh, impersonate Google, but not to retaliate f- for Stuxnet or Duke or Flame, but to spy on their own damn citizens. So, I'm not saying, I, I, I don't want to 
overly criticize silence, but just think about the totality of you know of, of the situation. But anyhow, I want let's go back to Sony. Boy, I'm. Then, I, I do want to circle back on Operation Cleaver too. So. All right. All right. Fine. Well, either way, no. I no. Go ahead. Okay. So. I also am very skeptical when I hear a nation-state attribution behind an attack. And I've read through the report that Silence put out, and it's a pretty good report. Uh, Admittedly, it gets a little bombastic at times and, of course, ultimately ends up with a a small, minor sales pitch at the end. But, you know, they're they're in the business to sell their stuff and make money. Uh, They're also very self-congratulatory about how they really do feel that this is a massive, massive massive concern and that we need to take action immediately. But, you know, as I read this, it felt to me like a, just a large botnet that had infiltrated lots of different stuff. And, you know, as you get into it and you start reading about the tactics and techniques, uh, it's nothing that earth-shattering uh, going on between Operation Cleaver. As far as we know, there's no zero days involved. Uh, you know, they did a bunch of SQL injection. They did a bunch of spear phishing. Uh, they did a bunch of fake uh, websites for things like resume creators that had malware attached to uh, programs that you can download and, and help update your resume. They did stuff like, "Hey, you, you know, you, uh, you're being considered for a job. Come to this website and fill out this, you know, this uh, submission form for your job information." Stuff, you know, that is, for the initial compromise is very common, known to many people, nothing too earth shattering here. Uh, once I got inside, it's a lot of privilege escalation and pivoting. Again, very common, nothing that earth shattering. Um, yes, they're in a lot of really, really important organizations and apparently have really owned them badly, uh, which again goes back to the fact that these organizations are massively failing to detect compromise. And when you look at how deeply embedded they got into these organizations, we are missing all all sorts of opportunities for catching these guys' activity internally. Um, but all that being said, that ultimately, and I'm paraphrasing here, they say, given the sophistication of the infrastructure involved, the IP addresses involved, uh, the amount of, of IP addressing uh, that is being moved around, coming up, brought down, uh, it's all you know, assigned to Iran, all that kind of jazz, it must be a nation state. I... I don't know that I can buy that conclusion. I'm not saying that it isn't potentially backed by Iran, but I don't yet see that it has to be. You give me 10 good guys, they could easily do this. There's nothing I see here that requires nation-state-level funding and nation-state-level backing. Now, it doesn't mean that this isn't a group of, of, of hackers and such that uh, you know, are being funded by, by the Iranian government or potentially even could be the Iranian government itself. They've been doing a lot to, to beef that up and beef up their, their, I hate to use this term, but cyber capabilities. Uh, but I'm just... To come out and say authoritatively it is a government-run operation, I think, is a, is a bit of a stretch to me. But then again, I don't have any evidence to say it's not either. But to just say because of the level of sophistication it must be, I don't know that I agree with that statement. I have yet to see something in anything coming out on Operation Cleaver that tells me that it couldn't be just a, a, a good, skilled group. I mean, that, that, was, that was essentially 
my thought as well. Uh, I, I, I suspect if you were to look through the window of any botnet CNC, you're going to see a lot of really crazy looking stuff. And, uh, and you know, I would also say that there's probably, you know, something of a, you know, a, a concentration of badly managed infrastructure, right? If, the, if, if one of the key al- attributes of their attack was exploiting MS-08067, right? It's probably not a far stretch to think that they're probably not also monitoring their, <laughs> their, their networks. So, well, you know, the one thing that the science report does point out that I think is somewhat interesting is that Iran has very, very, very tightly controlled their internet and their connections to the rest of the world. So you could argue that at the very least, the Iranian government probably knows this is going on and isn't doing anything to stop it. Sure. I think that's fair. Um, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I think, I think they're, I want to say this with all due respect to these guys because it's a tough job doing what they're doing and I appreciate them putting out this information. But they definitely claim that this is one of the most dangerous, potentially life-harming hacks going on right now and i don't know if i can go to that level of hyperbole well said so yep but back to sony (laughs) so for those who may not know let's do a quick summation on what happened yeah so uh last week uh and actually saw this when it was posted it happened to be poking around on reddit and the top the top post and one of the security related subreddits was a uh quote the friend of a sony entertainment employee or uh, not sorry sony pictures not sony entertainment sony pictures employee uh who got to their to their desk and their computer had uh you know effectively uh you know a picture of the sony ceo in health <laughs> on on their computer and and uh you know i i there's not a lot more detail, but the the word on the street is that the fleet of workstations operated by uh, Sony Pictures was wiped, and uh, and this is very reminiscent, by the way, of what was described in the Dark Soul attack. Well, they also claimed that they had a whole bunch of data that they were going to be willing to release if Sony didn't do whatever they right were told they needed to do, and they did release, uh, I think, about forty gigabytes of it. And uh, and so there's, you know, th- this is a really damaging attack. So so the attackers have claimed. I think the last I saw was they had affirmatively claimed to have stolen 11 terabytes of data. They've released publicly 40 gigabytes on uh, on different torrents and and whatnot. And they keep posting the links to the torrents, and the links get taken down, and you know all that stuff. Um, but there's, I think, in this article, they say that that actually may up to maybe up to a hundred terabytes stolen over the course of a year. God, a hundred terabytes is a that's that including unreleased movies. Uh, yes, and and apparently also pirated copies of other studios' movies. Nice and unshot scripts. 
unreleased scripts. Right. And uh, salary information and password and, and uh, spreadsheets containing password lists and, and on and on and on and on and on. And so, you know, there's, there is a lot of debate and discussion about, you know, oh my gosh, there's a man and a woman who effectively have the same position and the man is paid hundreds of thousand dollars more than the woman. And, you know, I'm not passing judgment on that in, in, in one way or the other, but, you know, the stuff is out there, right? This is, yeah. this is like... <laughs> Got to be some awkward days around the office. Yeah, this, this, is, uh, this is bad stuff for them. Uh, you know, it's not at all clear whether the 11 or 100 terabytes of data was deleted off of their systems or was just stolen and published, or was it just the workstations that were deleted? You know, Sony's being very tight-lipped about this, and there's a lot of speculation by companies like Recode, who, by the way, Recode is the one that's been saying it was definitely North Korea. Sony's going to come out and say it was North Korea. Uh, by the way, Sony today, you know, December 3rd, is going to come out and say it was North Korea. And uh, and later today, actually a couple hours ago, Sony came out and said, I don't know why they keep saying this. It's we're, We don't know that it was North Korea. <laughs> so you're saying it's, it's, it's not North Korea? Well, you know, it's. It, I, I will say it... I mean... Here's the problem with it being North Korea. I don't think they've got 100 terabyte of disk space in North Korea. <laughs> the, the supreme leader has his ways. <laughs> but hey, in, in any event, um, I think the reason, I, I suspect, the reason that there's a lot of finger pointing at North Korea going on and the reason people are so eager to accept that as, a, as an explanation is that it it looks and smells a whole lot like Dark Soul. Well, and it's sexy, right? Oh, they're about to release this movie that makes fun of North Korea, and then North Korea comes after them. It, it uh, plays with reporters. Yeah, it's like the script to a movie. Oh, hey. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe we just figured out the problem, didn't we? Um, so Seriously, though, uh, you know, again, it is it is very very similar to what we heard about in uh, in Dark Soul, which was attributed to North Korea, and that, by the way, just for a refresher, was a um, a pretty systematic attack against a number of uh, media outlets in South Korea, which you know effectively at uh, you know kind of all at once, a whole bunch of workstations and uh, and syst- and servers were deleted. I mean they they were they were nuked in uh in, apparently they were nuked in such a way that they were very difficult to recover. And uh you know I I haven't seen a technical analysis of the malware to know if, if under the covers it's all that similar to what was used in Dark Soul, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Don't don't really know yet. Uh there's Sony's being again very very tight-lipped. Uh, I think up until today, they've just been saying, well, it's an IT incident. In the meantime, people are downloading unreleased movies and, you know, talking about salaries of their executives and uh, all they'll say is it's a, it's an IT incident. Well, apparently the, the folks behind it, the, the, the group calling themselves the Guardians of Peace, uh, emailed many members of the media with links to all the files. 
So clearly they wanted the media to be digging through all this stuff and embarrassing Sony in this way. As opposed to just dumping it on Pastebin and waiting for people to find it. True. Well, but, but they did dump it on Pastebin. Right, right. But then, you know, they pointed it out to people. Right, right. So, you know, I think one of the I think one of the counters that they point out in this in this article is it's not really the MO of a nation state a type of attack to uh proceed in this manner. Right? Because if you were, I mean, to think about it, right? They're not nothing they've done is actually going to prevent the release of that movie. So what you're saying is it was actually South Korea. Probably. It's a false flag. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. World you War, heard it here first. World War Three is going to be fought by pirating movies. I, I, I don't know what else to say. That's, that's deep. You should write a book. <laughs> I can't claim that. Some, I saw it on Twitter. I don't remember who it was. Uh, so we don't know much at all about the malware. We don't know much about how they infiltrated. We don't know any of the technical details yet. No, I, you know, I will. I will tell you. There's a. There's been a lot of speculation. You know, well, there must have been an insider involved, and was there an insider involved? And maybe it was multiple insiders. Maybe it was all insiders. Maybe people. You know, this was just a big. Uh, you know, a big to do by people who were recently laid off, or or, or what have you. And uh, you know, we don't really know. But I will tell you, if it is in fact impact- impacting all their workstations, I bet you that in the end analysis, if we ever get to find out what the heck happened, uh, it's going to have something to do with uh, you know some kind of configuration management or patching distribution or <laughs> some type of system like we saw with Dark Soul. I mean, it's a, f- it's a home run kind of attack. You know, that's that's yeah. where you want to go if you're going to do this kind of thing. And uh, I bet you that's what what will end up being the case, but we'll see. Well, the FBI has put out a little bit, I believe, that they said that this malware has a capability to override a victim's host, master boot record, and all the data files. Yes. Uh, which is... Hey, you know, if, if your box has been compromised, some people just say you should reformat and reinstall anyway. So they're just helping you. They're helping you along on your re-imaging plan. That's true. And yeah. as I pointed out on Twitter, they were kind enough... To back the data up to the cloud before they erased it. <laughs> that's a, you know, that's a fine point. They this was have, a service. They, they just have to go download it, it again. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, it's, you know, th- this is, uh, I got to tell you, uh, I, I've had some serious discussions with people like um, like Martin Fisher and others this morning about about this. And, you know, there's there's real... Uh, amateurish, <laughs> I'll say, because I'm involved at least. Debate about you know what is the what's the longevity of Sony Pictures now? Because you know who's going to trust them? You think this is existential? I'm not convinced it's existential, but I'm saying that that was the discussion that was being had. Mm-hmm. And if it is, if it does turn out to be an existential problem, I think that will pretty dramatically change uh, the relationship between information security and management. I am highly skeptical that this would lead to the demise of Sony Pictures. I think, worst case, they would be a diminished company for a period of time. I've seen terribly bad companies hang on and survive for a really, really, really long time. So uh, I think most likely they're they're suffering a huge morale hit right now. They're suffering a huge reputation hit right now. Um, 
and they will recover. It may be ten years from now, but I don't think Sony Pictures is going anywhere. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm I'm skeptical as well. I you know I think the 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 thinking went that hey, uh, if if you're the producer or if, if you're gonna want to make a movie, are you gonna go to Sony now? Or are you going to go? Uh, I don't know. They've. I, I get it. I, I don't know enough about the movie industry to really have a, a strong comment on that. But you know, they have so much inertia. And again, we go back to. There's a bit of a, a numbness to this, right? Uh, uh, oh, it's happening to everybody. Wow, that really sucks. So, what do you guys do to fix it? Well, we've taken all the appropriate steps to make sure this never happens again, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I what I what I uh, threw in was I wonder if this is like the CEO, the fired CEO analogy you know if you get fired if you're the ceo of a company you get fired you know you're not really downtrodden you know you're you're still pretty hireable because you can uh, you can portray yourself as having learned an important lesson and now you can you've dusted yourself off and you can lead another company and that's you know i I suspect that may be uh, you know how, how they move forward you know hey we learned an important lesson and uh, you know, I don't know about Warner Brothers or any of those other studios. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be trusting them right now because, yeah. <laughs> you know, they didn't go through this. Well, you know, if you really look at it from somebody who isn't in the IT security world, right? We live and breathe this stuff, and so we've got our own echo chamber going on. You know, is this perceived like somebody smashed a front door and stole something? Or is this perceived as, you know, a bad guy actively did this? So how much maliciousness or I should say malfeasance or lack of competence is really going to be attributed back to Sony by the average person in the industry, uh, in the media industry. Yeah, you know, and that's a really difficult thing to tell right now, and we may never actually be able to tell because we don't know what the hell happened. You know, we don't know, was right. this was this gross incompetence on their part, or was this, you know, hey, they were doing a pretty good job, and, and you know, they were pretty reasonable and some you know it was an insider attack or you know it was something that they didn't you know that they just didn't see coming uh I, you know we don't know that yet right well hopefully more details will be released but you know time will tell I, yeah this is devastating the short term long term i think they'll be fine um for for good or ill but i i will tell you though i, I know that kind of like other cases and you know, before it I think this is really going to rekindle a lot of the discussions, you know, the, the urgency behind the infosec discussions that are happening in companies. You know, because it's at least here in the US, you know, it's like this major cyber attack in our backyard, you know, and yeah. and you know, I, I saw some headlines. I don't I didn't uh, I didn't write them down, but someone ran a headline about, you know, the first major destructive attack destructive malware attack against a company in the US ever. And I'm like, what? Uh, uh, yeah, that was my that was my thought too. <laughs> Uh, it may actually be in my Twitter timeline. I'm pretty sure. I, I'm pretty sure define, I complained about define it. Define destructive, and then maybe we can talk about that. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty sure this happens quite often, and we it just doesn't make big news. So. Yeah. So we'll see. I, I don't know. I I hope more information comes out. Right. I want to learn from this. I want to be able to take lessons away and see how this all came about, and hopefully that will be released over time. 
Yeah. Maybe we could start a podcast. Oh, 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 oh yeah. hey, that's a good idea. Uh, <laughs> speaking of that, uh, that's, I think, about the, uh, about the end of the show. So, uh, yeah, if you, uh, if you like the podcast, please, please give us some love on iTunes. We, you know, it's, it's our internet points. It's our, it's, 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 it's our way of knowing that you appreciate us. And, you know, whatever. Once we get up to 500 reviews, we can trade that in for a six-pack of Coke. That's true. That's true. And I love me some Coke. <laughs> uh, anyhow, uh, if you, uh, you want to find links to the show notes, or links to the stories we, we are talking about, you can find the show notes on our website at www.defensivesecurity.org. If you have any feedback, any comments, questions, complaints... Uh, send us an email to info at defensivesecurity.org. You can also find the show on Twitter at DefensiveSec, and you can find Mr. Kellett on Twitter at Lurg, and me on Twitter at MaliciousLink. And uh, with that, I think we will call it a week. And, uh, you know, if you like our show, tell a friend. That's right. That's right. We, uh, you know, and, and, and to everyone that does listen, we, we certainly appreciate you spending time with us every week. We, we thank you for listening to us. So, th- Have a great week, and we will catch you again next time. Take care, everybody. Bye. The entire time we were talking, it didn't happen once, and then (laughs) we start the show, and it goes to shit. All right, let's do this shit. I forgot everything we're talking about. Well, that's good. I don't know what you're compensating for there, buddy, but... uh... Uh, Hey, if you can't figure it out... (laughs) The whole podcasting thing doesn't work if the mute button's on. Hello? You're a minute early. Bye.